Uh, we started a conversation last week on uh, maturity, the marks of maturity. And I approached this topic with a certain level of caution because uh, on one hand, I do believe that it's important for us as human beings to know where we're going. And yet that we do tend to be as human beings black and white at times and, and rigid. And so we have to understand that when we talk about marks and goals and objectives and you know, spiritual measures, et cetera, that there, there's different, there are different flavors, there are different nuances, there are different um, angles. And so these are general, uh, general goals uh, and, and, and whatnot. We, we just, as human beings, we need this. I think we need speed limits. We need lines. Um, we need to know, you know, in a baseball game, there's nine innings or 18, you know, whatever it may be if you're looking at the World Series. <laughs> And, and uh, even when there's 18, we need, hey, that's a world record. How do we know that? Well, because we kept track, and I think that's important. Last week, we began with the Word of God. Not that we should just know the Word of God and understand it, study it, etc. But all of that would be meaningless if we don't allow those things to filter us and to, uh, to navigate our lives, to, to make our decisions. When we make the decisions of yes or no, uh, are they being filtered through the lenses of the Word of God? Are they, are they, is the Word of God being allowed to filter us? And we, we landed there last week. This week, then, we jump into the second of our eight measures, and the second uh, one is this. Spiritual maturity, someone who has grown up and is growing up, and the more that we grow up, we are piloted by the Holy Spirit, piloted by the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, when we uh, speak of the Holy Spirit, man, we could go in a million different directions, and, uh, and people do. But I do believe that it's important for us to understand that God has, and throughout history, piloted uh, the human race. Now, it seems like in this chapter of my life, I'm flying a lot, um, and it's funny, it's a common saying, people have probably said it to you when you're flying, you know, uh, as you're flying, hey, have a safe flight, you know, be, be, be safe. Well, I'm not flying the plane, so, you know, there's no option for me for safety here in the equation, right? I'm back in 21C, you know, uh, eating pretzels. Uh, the, the only, you know, the only safety measure would be stepping onto the plane, you know, I've tripped before on, coming into the plane. But really, uh, it, it would be more appropriate as you're walking past the cockpit, you know, as, you know, the flight attendants are saying howdy-do when you come in and everything, for us to stick our head into the cockpit and say to the pilot, hey, be safe. That, that means something, right? So when we're looking at God piloting, you know, he, we're in 21C eating pretzels, and it's God who's in, in the cockpit driving, we could look at many different places in the Scripture where God has piloted, who he has navigated his people. Probably one of the most visible and easy to, to see um, is in the Old Testament. And so when uh, the people of God, as many of you remember, were oppressed and enslaved in a foreign country in Egypt, and God was getting ready to move them out, he navigated them. He, he was their pilot. And just like a pilot will have you know, instruments on the, on the dashboard there, God was giving them a visual because God is always compassionate. He cannot not be compassionate. And so this was a move of compassion because they were going into unknown territory. They were covering some wilderness uh, uh, in a real estate, and they needed this sense of guidance. So when we look today in the Scripture, we begin in Deuteronomy chapter 1, uh, in verse 33. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible, and it's kind of like the highlight reel of what happened, especially in the second, the third, and the fourth books of the Bible. It is often a rerun, uh, or like I said, a highlight reel of what's going on. I love the book of Deuteronomy because it gives you kind of uh, these, these points of history, and it's kind of looking back. And so, uh, Moses, who wrote the book of Deuteronomy, is now referring back to what was happening when 
Israel was coming out of oppression from in the land of Egypt. And he makes this statement. He said, the Lord your God, speaking to the people, the Lord your God went ahead of you on the journey. That's what a pilot does. You might have noticed that the pilot sits at the front of the plane and not back where I'm sitting in 21C. There's a reason for that because there's a different viewpoint from the, from the front. And so God is going ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and a cloud by day. When you look at the details of the story, there was a kind of a column, a pillar of cloud, a cloud by day that was visible to, to all of them and a pillar of fire that was visible by night. Now, let's, let's face it. That, that hasn't happened to most of us in the room where we've seen a pillar of smoke or, or cloud or fire at night. But I would propose to you that we have a greater advantage. We have a greater advantage than they did in, in a more intimate way. We'll get to that. And another move of compassion on God's part, by the way. But watch this. God is telling them that he's going ahead of them in fire by night and a cloud by day for a reason. Why? To search out places for you to camp. Now, see, in this culture, if we could bring the scripture back, uh, back on the screen, to search out the places for you to camp, because in that culture, you remember when Jesus was entering into the end of his life and they were doing the, going to have the Last Supper together. Remember, he said, hey, a couple of you, go ahead and prepare the place, prepare the room. And when you understand culture and the way Jesus, you, you kind of uh, moved, you kind of think in your mind, you know, the 12 were kind of moving all around together. But there were times when they were going to go into a place, hey, a couple of you just go ahead. That was the culture. So this was, they were very used to this. And the point being is that God could go ahead. He was going ahead to see where there was safe and adequate places to be. Being the pilot of your life, God has an advantage of literally, not, not uh, metaphorically, but literally living next Thursday. He's already at next Thursday. You're not. He is eternal. You're temporal. That means that God has already surging out the camp in which you're going to experience in advance. God is an awfully good pilot because he has that capacity. He's going to search out places for you to camp, and he's going to show you the way to go. Now, probably most of us in this room have some form of GPS. Sometimes it's built into the car. Most of us have it on our phones. I've come to, I guess I'm not exaggerating when I say hate Siri um, because of the many mishaps. Uh, I was going to the airport not, not too long ago and in the city. I didn't know any, and I'm like, I cannot be going to the airport right now. I am stuck in the middle of nowhere. And so, you know, you scroll down to the bottom and they're like, yep, it says the airport at the end, but it certainly didn't feel like I was going. And there's, there's two things that I've really come to dislike about this GPS. The first thing is the, the four words that we begin with. Okay, so I'm on my phone. I'm in an unknown city. I'm going from point A to point B. And I hear these four words, proceed to the route. Okay, I don't know where the route is, right? Proceed to the route. Well, that's, I'm trying to proceed to the route. Tell me where the route is so I can proceed to the route. See, God, what he's trying to do is not like just, hey, just go. He's saying, I'm going to navigate you. So God is not that. The other thing that, that it's, it's like Siri has a mind of her own. Can I personalize it like that? It's a thing, but whatever. It feels like a real person. And... I don't know, it's, it feels like a squeeze play that, that when you really need it, you're coming up on the exit. Is it 65 north or 65 south? And it starts to spin. I mean, why wasn't it spinning at the stoplight, you know, two blocks away? No, it's spinning right now. And right in that moment, we're like, oh, please, I got to go left or right. And there's four lanes and I'm in the middle just, you know, to play it safe. And I'm now I'm driving, you know, 14 miles an hour when it's really 50 miles an hour. Please, you know, do something. You see, the difference is that God never leaves his posts. God never spins. Watch this. 
Exodus chapter 13. Now we're in real time of this happening. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Why? So that they could travel 24-7. Day or night, didn't matter. God was not leaving his post. There are times when we feel that God may have lost his post, left his post. But neither, we find in verse 22, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Listen carefully. Somebody is sitting in this room and you have convinced yourself that God has missed your navigation. But the comfort and the confidence that we have is that God never leaves. God is 24-7. God is night and day. God is around the clock. The question then is not, is God aware? Is God there? But you just may not see him. You may not be aware of him. And you may not understand the chapter that that is being written right now. And maybe you're not supposed to. But you can have utmost confidence that God has not left his post. Listen. If you've come in today and you're broken, God has not left this post. If you can't see around the corner, God has not left this post. There's some times where we might go through the entire rest of our lives and not understand it. We're feeling a a culture like we're entitled to know all the details of why and what and how. And God says, I don't work that way, but here's the thing you need to know. I have not left you. The scripture says that God cannot not be faithful. God cannot be unfaithful. Just by his very nature, he cannot be faithful. So whatever you may be going through, we can trust and have this confidence. See, this brings us confidence that you're out in the wilderness, man, where are we going, where are we going? But we know that God is there, whether we can see him or not. Earlier this morning, we sang this song about being aware of the presence of God. And because of God, of who he is, he's always everywhere. And and because he's always everywhere, it's not a matter of, hey, God, would you come and be here, but help me to be aware of your presence. So let me tie this principle together. See, God is always navigating. But I do believe that we can position ourselves to be navigated in better places than others. In other words, the question for us today is, how do we position ourselves to be better aware of the navigation of God? Because when we're, when we're aware that the Holy Spirit is piloting us, navigating us, then we'll have peace We'll wrestle less, and we'll have confidence for the future. So let me throw out for you a few ideas to, to, to think about. Here's, here's the first time. Here's the first thing. We will sense the navigation, the piloting of the Holy Spirit when we put ourselves in more difficult situations where we need God. If you know anything about those that get their license to fly... There are different levels. The first level is that you have to fly in the daylight. You can't fly at night. You have to fly when it's visible. You can't fly in the clouds. You have to fly at a certain altitude because you haven't yet learned how to read the instruments. And so this is the first level. But as you mature as a pilot, then you're able to do greater things. And when, you are, when you're able to see things there is no need to be dependent on those, those instruments because you can see everything. So, so often, I feel like we're overinsured. Like, I have insurance from everything from my teeth to my car. And so, like, so for example, I go to a rental a rent a car, right? I rent a car when I'm traveling. And so you rent the car, you do the deal, then you go out to get the car, and then they, whoosh, they give you the sheet, like, you know, what do you want to be 
insured for? And there's like six options. Depending on where I'm driving, you know, if I'm driving somewhere crazy, it might give me the whole, the whole enchilada, right? But we can be insured at so many different levels. In fact, I, I, was, uh, I used to drive this car. I gave it to Rob uh, Chestnut. We called it the Gray Ghost. It's about 20 years old, and it's on its last leg. And so um, I, I had it sitting in the rental car right here in Sarasota rental car uh, parking lot. And so he said, so, hey, what kind of insurance do you want in the car? I said, well, what's, you know, what's the big boy insurance? You know, get the whole enchilada here. He said, well, y- you get everything. So, if, you know, if you run into another car, let's say, and crash into that car, it pays for that car, and it pays for the rental car. My wheels start turning. I'm like, huh. So you see where I'm going with this. So if I go out with this new car, now let's just say, you know, accidentally, wink, wink, you know, ram into my old car out there. You're saying it would pay for that car. And you could tell the guy was like, um, <laughs> y- yes. Like, he saw a smile. I'm like, yeah, all right. So if I like, like keep ramming it, you know, until it's totaled, <laughs> yes. Okay, see? Anyway, <laughs> just an idea. It's just an idea. Listen. Often we want to fly by day. And I'm this way. I'm a strategic thinker. And I can strategize my way out of depending on the Holy Spirit if I'm not careful. I want to fly at night. I want to see the landscape. I want to see the landing strip. I don't want any clouds. But when we put ourselves in night vision where we can't see the runway, we can't see the mountains, we can't see the ocean, we can't see the ground, we can't see how far, then we are absolutely dependent on the piloting of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God would say, put yourself more in that situation, then you'll see the piloting of the navigation of God more, of the Holy Spirit more. I don't know what it is about flying, but there's something about when you come in the clouds, it gets rougher. There's more turbulence. I'm sure somebody knows what they're doing can explain why that is. I hate that part of the flight more than any other part of the flight. You know what I'm talking about? You're above the, you know, when you finally get above the clouds, like, oh, you know, you feel like you're in heaven. You can see the sunshine. There's no birds. I mean, it's just like pretty amazing. And then once you finally get below the clouds, like, yes, I can finally see the ground. And that's when I'm feeling a little more secure. Because even if it's rocky, I can still say, hey, things are still stable. But when you're coming through that thick dimension of clouds and you can't see anything and it it feels like it starts going like this more, I hate that part. And I hate that part of life. And so do you. That part where we can't see anything and the turbulence seems like the thing could flip upside down. And God said, if you put yourself in that dimension more, then you will see the navigating and the piloting of the Holy Spirit more. In Acts chapter 8, something monumental happened in history. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples were somewhat cowardly. In Acts chapter 2, they became courageous because the Spirit of God not just came upon them, but He came in them and empowered them for the work of the ministry. It was almost as if that point, when you look at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, there was, they were almost impervious to whatever challenges and opposition was coming their way. They were thrown into jail. No problem. God opened the jail cell. There were thousands who were being added to the church. It was, it was like they were just on the winning side. Acts chapter 7, one of them named Stephen stood up. He confronted the adversaries. And he said, I, I, let me tell you the story of how we got here. And he began to lay it out. And you can almost feel the disciples you know, with this impervious mindset standing by them. Mm-hmm, that's right. Mm-hmm, Stephen, that's right. You hear amen here and there. They were like right behind them. All of a sudden, they killed Stephen. The game changed. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, the church was scattered. We're told all except the apostles. That means all the foot soldiers, all the disciples, all those who had been praying, all those, the thousands that had been added. Many of them were scattered into the world. And what happened then was that 
one of them, Philip, God began to navigate, began to pilot by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand the context that he was aware of the piloting. Watch this, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road. For years I've been fascinating with the next words. Go south to the road, the desert road. It's often on the desert road. When I look in, in the context and I study this a little bit, the whole region was very, was very barren. It's not in Starbucks that we often sense the piloting of God. It's in those moments where like, where is anything? In the desert, you can't see anything. There are no road marks, there are no roads, there are no signs, there are no stoplights, there's no comfort. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So we started out, watch this, and on his way, see, this is where God meets us. He didn't know where he was going. There was no strategy here. He was being piloted. He was in 21C, eating pretzels, just following the piloting of the Holy Spirit. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, and a, a top official in the, in the government in charge of the treasure of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and watch this, and on his way, two men on their way being navigated by the Holy Spirit, and they didn't have a strategy. Strategy important? Sure. But I have to remind myself all the time that strategy cannot, will not, and will never replace the piloting of the Holy Spirit. And on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and watch this, the Spirit piloted Philip, told Philip, go, stay. That's the navigation. Go to that chariot. Stay near with it. Okay, I'm going to say something sensitive, all right? I always like to give you a warning. Here's what I see as a mark of immaturity. A lot of talk throughout my 36 years of being a Christian from those that say, God told me to do this out of the other. Okay, no problem with that. I still believe that God moves. I do not believe that the power of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, end it with the final chapter of Acts. I think the Holy Spirit is alive, working, moving, healing, doing supernatural works throughout the world. When you look at the, when you talk to people, I hung out with people this week from different parts of Africa, when you hear what God is doing around the world because of the hard context, they get to see the Holy Spirit at work in ways that we're missing it because we got too much cushion. No extra charge. <laughs> when I hear God told me to do this or that, whatever that is, here's a sensitive thing. Sometimes a mark of immaturity, it's the things that you want it to do anyway. I'm saying it. I'm, I have to say these things as a shepherd. What I find in the Scripture is that when the Holy Spirit navigates and pilots, it's often the things people don't want to do. Go to the desert road. Fantastic. <laughs> Love to. That would be awesome. Moses, I want you to stand there like nervous Nelly and lead your way face to face with your greatest adversary. You betcha. That's not what he wanted to do. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Abraham, I want you to leave everything you've ever... Peter, the thing, that net that your dad had, your granddad had, your great-granddad had, I want you to give it up. This is the piloting of the, of the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me what you want to do. Tell me what God is asking you to do that you don't want to do. It's a mark of maturity. God often navigates in those places where we don't want to go. I'm thinking of of Peter today. Boy, what a strong-willed guy, right? We all know that. Even after resurrection, he's still strong-willed. Acts chapter 2, he's still strong-willed. How do I know that? Because in Acts chapter 10, after the power of the resurrection happened, after the power of the Holy Spirit just blew them away, literally in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 10, God is trying to navigate him by the power of the Holy Spirit and said, I want you to open your mind to go beyond your Jewish traditions and, and reach out to non-Jewish people. Gentiles, they're called in the Scripture. And Peter says, no, I'm not doing that. 
God comes to him a third, a second time. God, uh, Peter, I'm asking you. I'm trying to pilot you to a location you want to go. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to ask you one more time. And God had to keep ringing his doorbell. You know the story. Then God says there are going to be some men that are going to come your way. I'm going to pilot them to come to your doorbell, ring the doorbell, and they're going to take you over to this Gentile person. In that tradition, in that tradition, a Jewish person did not go into a Gentile's home. Although it blows my mind that Jesus did it, and I don't know how they didn't get the memo, but didn't get the memo. And Peter says, I'm not going to do it, God. And watch what happens in Acts chapter 10 and verse 12. He's giving the story. He's telling the story after the fact. The Spirit told me, navigated, piloted me to have no hesitation in going with them. These six guys that came to his house. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. I didn't want to. Didn't want to go. What is God asking you to do that you're saying no to right now? What is that God asking you? What hard thing might God be asking you to do? Don't run from it. This is, I think this is a message that, that God would say, don't run from it. Run in it and be aware of the piloting of the Holy Spirit. I'm heading to the Middle East here in a few weeks, less than a few weeks. I'm nervous from a human point of view. I'm just being honest with you. I'm nervous. I see one of the guys going with me. He's laughing. <laughs> and the reason I'm nervous is that I, I have my kids with me. I can go through this, this list of things. You know, it's a long trip. You can get sick. I mean, there's just a lot of human things. People say, have said to me recently, hey, you're traveling. I thought you didn't like traveling. I hate traveling. It's not, my, it's not my deal. I do not like traveling. I am being obedient to the piloting of the Holy Spirit. If you see me on Facebook sitting on beaches with, you know, some pineapple and an, and an umbrella and, a, you know, coming out of a glass jar or glass, you know, whatever, and I'm like, love traveling, then please question me. <laughs> There's some times where we can't see it all. So in our first service... My good friend Chris plays the bass. And I noticed like in the third song, something happened. This, this little piece of paper lilted to the ground. It was his music. Now Chris, if you know Chris, he's such a happy guy, you know. So on the outward, he's like, dun, 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 dun. And he was like dipping the bass, actually. And they picked it up. It was so cool. <laughs> it was awesome. I know as a musician, I'm a musician in the past, that, you know, there's, there's scary moments like, you know, you, know, you got to keep going. And so one time I was playing for this really um, classical musicians can be fussy at times. So I was playing for this fussy flute player. Oh, man, she was just, she was just a sensitive person. Like, you had to say it right and, you know, play it right. And, boy, you better not miss her. Uh, no. I'm playing for her, and we're playing this pretty difficult piece, this Baroque piece. We're doing our thing. And my page turner went, whoosh, and the music, I mean, it caught like a wind channel. You could see it like it was, it was happening in slow motion, like 20 feet away. So I'm like, no, 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 I'm making it up. And the only thing, I, I'm like, I wonder if she could kill me with the flute. Like, you know, <laughs> like beat me to death with the flute. It looks like a bigger flute than normal. So anyway, these things are going on my mind. But I'm making it up. I'm making Bach up. It doesn't work well. I mean, if you're jamming with jazz, like, hey, no problem, you know, it sounds good, but not, not Bach, it doesn't sound good. My page turner was frozen, like, and so I'm like, go get it now! Sometimes it feels like, you know, when the music floats off and things get difficult, we're getting frozen, and God's saying, hey, the navigation is there! Just got to pay attention. Don't run from difficult places. I'm reminded of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. What we don't read is that Jesus decided to go to the desert to be tempted. Watch. Then Jesus was piloted by the Spirit to go into the desert. And he said yes to an awful, awful 
moment an intersection with the enemy. We will never feel the excitement of being piloted by the Holy Spirit if we just want the first level of pilot's license where we can see everything. That's not where you're going to find God to his fullest. And just remind us that we walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Now here's the second point. It's going to sound a little abrupt. The second, the second place, I believe, or the, the, the second way that we can sense God's piloting, the navigating of the Holy Spirit is this. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. When it's about our plans, our ambitions, kind of a hot topic now, our bucket list, then sometimes we miss the, the voice of God. Sam said it today in her baptism story, Luke 9, 9, verse 23, and he said to all, Jesus said this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and then you'll be able to be pilot. Follow me, see? Those two things come before the follow part. So I'm with this guy from South Africa this week, totally intense guy, it's just very intense. And he said, hey, we were talking about this verse. And he said, when you look at deny, himself, deny yourself, here's what, it, here's what the root and the core of it means. Repudiate your old self in the strongest sense of the word. This is where me, being a, a strategy guy and, 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 and tools guy, which I believe are necessary and important, but I have to say, I repudiate my ambitions, my plans, my thinking, my logic, so that I can hear the piloting of the Holy Spirit. I'm just being honest with you. Maybe if you're wired like I am, you know what I mean, that you can rest in that. You may re rest in your intelligence. You may rest in your business savvy. You may rest in uh, your personality, whatever those things are. And the message is to get out of the way. Don't let that asset become a liability. You'll notice that when we're driving in our cars, there's only one driver. So I'm teaching our 15-year-old how to drive. He's doing a remarkable job, by the way. And so uh, this is something I'm used to. When I was in college, I had this incredible ministry to international students by teaching them how to drive. It was a one-to-one -one scenario. They were, you know, kind of really desperately listening. Um, and we, um, we learned to drive in the cemetery because I thought, hey, you know, if things go south, I'm where I hear anyway. So, you know, what, what could go wrong? And so I, you know, I learned over years doing that to be calm. You know, you don't want to say, there's a squirrel, you know, and then, you know, they're running off the road, right? So when I'm teaching my son, you know, I, instead of saying, hey, there's a truck, you know, I'm like, hey, there's a truck. We might want to get, you know, get out of his way, you know, whatever that thing is. So after we've been doing this now for, you know, four or five months, he says to me, hey, can we take the, can I drive with the family in the car? Now, this is a big step. I mean, if two of us are killed, you know, the McCoy name still goes on. But if we're all, you know. So I'm like, okay. So, you know, I had this agreement with my wife, who's going to now sit in the back seat. I'm, you know, I'm over here in the, you know, the, the right side, you know, passenger side, and, and he's driving, my son's driving. And so, you know, we're, we're going along. And I told her before, hey, one navigator, it's me, okay? One navigator. Don't need any backseat driver. So we made it about a half a block, <laughs> let's just say, being real transparent here. And there was a truck coming, and there was a yelling, you know, from the backseat, a truck or something like that. <laughs> so we, we had an oppositional moment. Uh, <laughs> and one of us got out of the car and uh, yelled something unkind. And it was not a moment I was proud of. And then, you know, you could feel the neighbors like, I think something's wrong with the McCoys. <laughs> I think they're having a fight right in the middle of the street. <laughs> Look, it's hard to get navigated when they're two navigators, right? You can't, you can't do that. And sometimes we're, we're, one, we're the one, there were the voice that wants to navigate. This is where we had to go. This one, blah, blah, blah. And the Holy Spirit is saying, let me drive. 
And I'll tell you why. You can't see the camp in front of you. I live in Thursday. You don't. I see the pitfalls. I see the upsides. I see the mountains. I see the valleys. I see the crash. Let me drive. God, I believe, sometimes desperately wants to take us by the shoulders and say, let me drive because I love you so much. I don't want you to crash. Let me drive. Get out of the way. I feel when Christ put in his words the word daily, man, I need that like vitamin C. Daily. In other words, repudiate your plans to the strongest sense. Take up a cross daily and follow me. Then you can follow me. Then you can be piloted. If you're not out of the way, it's really hard to pilot a person, right? It's like God saying, hey, would you go back to 21C and eat your pretzels? I'm driving this plane. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm reminded in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, those who live according to our own nature, our sinful nature, have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in rhythm, in accordance, in synchronization with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And what happens if I'm like, my plans, God's plans, my plans, God plans, my plans, my plans, my plans, God plans, and I'm going back and forth. He tells us the mind of sinful man, that's us, is death. It's going to crash. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. When we let God drive, isn't that the most peaceful moments of your life? It is for me. The most wrangling, unpeaceful moments of my life is when I just keep getting behind the wheel, maybe just a little finger on the steering wheel, and it doesn't work that way. Finally, let me say this dimension. One more way to be aware of the piloting of the Holy Spirit. And, and I wrestle, even wrestle now, wrestle in the first service of what word to use that doesn't cheapen this dimension. Sometimes it's, you know, as a speaker, it's like, ow, oh, to communicate something profound that's in a, a reality is challenging. So I'm not sure which word will hit you. Communion, spiritual union with God, attachment, eminence, this sense of consistency with God. What I'm getting at is this, that if we go to God occasionally, if we're only in His Word occasionally, if it's kind of that devotional two or three minute type of thing, it's tough to hear the pilot's voice. However, if we're in rhythm, the more deeper you're in rhythm, the more is a mark of maturity. Jesus said, the, sh the sheep will know my voice if the sheep hang out with the shepherd enough. And if God is kind of a foreign object to you, he loves you, he's with you, he's 24 seven but you'll stand less of a chance of hearing the piloting voice of God. I have to say this too. There's sometimes in these moments I'm saying yes to God, okay? In our culture, we, we do live in a culture, as wonderful as our country is, that is indulgent. The places we go, the things we do is indulgent. And so, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, be careful that it's not for spiritual indulgence. I believe strongly in the gifts of the Spirit of God. I do. But when you look closely, the gifts of the Spirit of God are for the benefit of others. There are Philippians 2 mindset that, that it is for the sake of others. Have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus that we're looking to others. We're dying for others. And I know God wants us to have this, this relationship, this beautiful relationship. But what I see sometimes at an immature level that it's all about me and my gifts and this, I can do this and that. And then you remember when the disciples came back and said, Jesus, we were like, Man, people were healed. And they were, ah, you know, they were like, Jesus said, calm down. Okay, calm down. It's not about you. It's not about you. 
the piloting of the Holy Spirit will always be for others because the core of the Holy Spirit is selfless. And when the Holy Spirit is moving, then it will always point to someone else. It will move the kingdom, and it's not for my own spiritual high. Does that make sense? Do we sometimes get a spiritual high? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, there, it's exhilarating to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. It's exhilarating. But that's not God's end goal. God's end goal with the gifts of the Spirit of God is to empower others and move others and challenge others and encourage others. Um, in Jude, there's only one chapter in verse 17. Dear friends, remember that what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold that they said to you, in the last days there will be scoffers who will follow their own desires, their own ungodly desires. These are men who divide you, who follow their instincts, their mere natural instincts, and don't have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, have built yourselves up. See, it's a together thing. Build yourselves up in the Holy Spirit and in the, in the Holy Faith, and pray in the Holy Spirit. So, I was in this. I was out of town this past week, and I had my GPS on, it was a busy city. I had the volume all the way up, and I couldn't hear it because of the traffic noise. The car I had was kind of noisy. And even the, you know, the navigation was going on, but I couldn't hear it. And I'm like, ah, man. If, and, and there's just a little bit of, in an unknown city, a little bit of desperation. Like, I, I can't get it. I can't hear it. I, don't, I can't look at it and drive because it's crazy traffic. I, I'm, I'm depending on listening here. And then it hit me. I'm like, hey, I got my USB cable. I'll plug it into the radio system of the car, and I could jack it up for the half the city to hear. It was one of my best accomplishments in life. I was, <laughs> I thought, that was, that was a great, hey, thank you so much. <laughs> Here's the point. I know this may seem a silly picture, but when we're plugged in, you got to plug in to hear. Sometimes we want something for nothing. That's all of us. And the Holy I think he, to, to, to be in rhythm, to hear the piling of the, Man, you got to be in synchronization, walking in the Spirit, being filled. That word being filled with the Spirit, the, the verb is continually. God, here I am again. I'm lessening myself. Spirit of God, where do you want me to go that I want to say no to? Where am I missing it? Where do I need to grow for your kingdom? How do I need to build someone else up that I'm not doing it? That's the Holy Spirit moving. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Listen, when you can see when you can't see. Easier to pray when you're in the clouds and in the dark. God say on the most crystal clear day, when everything is going your way, when everything's going smooth, don't forget to depend on the Holy Spirit. When things are rainy and rocky, don't forget, when you're going in the midst of a relational collision, pray. When your marriage is at end, pray. When your marriage is its best, pray. When you don't know how to navigate your children, your teenagers, pray. When they're at their best behavior, pray. Pray in all occasions. Not just when you're in the dark, in the clouds, and then we'll stand a better chance at being in tune with the piloting of the Holy Spirit. Make sense? Pray on all occasions, all kinds of prayers. This is the piloting of the Holy Spirit. Listen, sometimes it gets a little scary in 21C because it feels like you're out of control. Have you ever thought in, in your mind, we, my wife and I did yesterday, must be a new pilot. That's what we thought. Probably had years and years of experience, but it seems like things are out of control. We're sitting in a pretty crummy seat and the engine kept going, it's like, like, like my dad used to drive that way the car, you know, we're all getting sick, you know. I'm like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. 
And sometimes it just feels that way with God. 24-7, day and night, he's searching out the camp ahead. What an incredible pilot. Father, oh, God, we need you. We're, over, we're sitting in 21C. And sometimes we think we can drive the plane from 21C. And we just can't, God. We just can't. Thank you, God, for caring for us so deeply that in, in, in history, when you navigate it from the outside with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, God, now you care enough that you're piloting from the inside. This miracle, this mystery that is beyond human comprehension that the pilot of God, the Spirit of God is living in us. And though you are on the job 24-7, God, we sometimes miss it because of comfort. We miss it because of strategy. We miss it because of ambition. Father, would you empower us to repudiate that in the strongest sense to get out of your way to not just want what we want and, and call that a movement of the spirit of God where are you saying right now to go, to be, to do that our instinct is to say no Maybe it's that conversation at work. Maybe it's a mending of the fence. Maybe it's a moment of vulnerability in a marriage. God, you have the power to itemize personally, privately, in our minds, our hearts, as we're thinking, as we're praying, as we're open, God, with our, with our souls open, our ears open to you. What are you itemizing now? that's making us nervous? What is the thing that's causing our, us to wring our hands? What is, the, is there something we're angry with you, God, just because we don't get it, we don't understand that there's turbulence and we don't like it? God, we repudiate those things. We deny those things. Father, we sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. In those words, we're just asking to help us position ourselves. God, to see the pilot, to hear the pilot. God, I wonder who is here right now. Understand in the most private part of their inner self that they're not connected with you. They might believe in God, but they have never said, "God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna relinquish. I'm gonna deny myself, my direction, my ambition, my goals, my life, my guilt, my shame." my habits. I'm going to relinquish that. And I'm going to come to Jesus today. And I'm going to say to Jesus, I want you to drive today. I'm tired of driving. Who is that? Is that you? Christ came. He paid the price took our place in death. He said, I'm going to take all your sin. I'm going to forgive it. I'm going to wash you. You're going to be, you can stand in front of God and bridge the gap as if you've never sinned because I'm going to wash you. I'm going to wash your soul. And if 
asking for your heart. Let me lead. Let me be your Lord. Let me save you. Let me be your Savior. He's waiting. He's waiting right now. He's waited all your life for you to say, yes, Christ. Yes, Christ. This is not of your own human logic. This is the Spirit of God says that he reveals to us our need and who Christ is. Is God revealing that to you now? Is this an intersection where you say, God, I want to exchange my old life for Christ's new. Christ come in to my inner life and birth a new life. You say that to God, ever how, ever how you want from your heart, your words, not mine. God, I want you, I need you. I exchange my old life for your new one. Create new birth in me. You have my allegiance. I turn from my own life to you. Now my brothers and sisters who are already in Christ, can you hear God? Are you plugged in or are you on the occasional pattern? Is this a moment where you would say, God, I need to re-plug, I need to recalibrate, I need to recommit to you, God? noise of life has, has, has drowned out. I've allowed the noise of life to drown out the pilot, the pilot of the Holy Spirit. I lack communion with you. I lack union with you. I'm, my tank seems low. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Less of me, God of you, less of me, more of you. I set my mind on the things of the Spirit. Oh God, how we all need you, every single soul in this room. God, we all need you, and we end today with our deepest and our strongest and our most passionate things. So grateful, God, that you go before us and you lead us.